Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Mario Itoji to my Marcus Rashford. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Do you get that reference? I do, yeah. I do. Yeah. Our inept oh, government. Gavin eh? Williamson. Yeah. You silly, silly boy. <laughs> How's it going, Justin? Yeah, good. I, actually, not good. I'm absolutely boiling. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm not good. This mm. is far too hot weather for me. I'm also boiling, but not because it's extremely hot, but because I've also got some sort of fever. Um, so my body doesn't really know what to do with itself right now. It's a bit crazy. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like COVID, but we'll, we'll move on. It's not COVID. I've had a test. <laughs> it's just my poor immune system. <laughs> um, Justin, welcome back to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to run through... But some of the big games coming up in the second tier this coming weekend. And boy, are some slobber knockers coming up for us this weekend. And then in the second half of the show, we'll go through some of the news from the past few days. And then we'll finish off with a Craig Bryson pub quiz right at the end. So it's going to be a bit of a streamlined show, I've got to say. And something else I've got to say, Justin, it feels like ages since we've spoken about championship football. Mm. For some reason, the last round of fixtures... Seem to have been a lifetime ago. Do you, do you feel the same? Yeah, it's, it's it's just a weird time of the the year, isn't it? With with the international break. Plus, we've got three international games this in this break rather than two. It's really unsettling. I'm a I'm a, a creature of routine. This is this is too much for me. I think when all the all the players are going on about playing too many games, three international breaks sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Um, nonetheless, Justin, let's look ahead to this weekend. And we'll start off with a game which, at the start of the season, you probably wouldn't think was much of a thigh rubber. But because of how both teams have started, it suddenly has become that. It's Stoke versus Huddersfield. Both teams have got three wins, a draw and a loss on the board so far. And Justin, I'll tell you what, I'm quite excited for this game. Are you? It does look quite tasty. You've got sexy Stoke as, as you've been coining them you've got Huddersfield mm-hmm. who have all of a sudden just turned it on um, it's going to be a very very tasty game uh, it's going to be a game out of possession who's going who, to it's going to get it's going to be a game one out of possession it's, it's going to be a team who uh, a team who, who wins the ball back more efficiently and keeps hold of it more efficiently rather than I don't know sexy football well I think that's not entirely correct because as we know Stoke are sexy Stoke at the moment while you've got Huddersfield who are more I don't know hurried Huddersfield Um, we're getting very desperate with these uh, (laughs) alliterations with these names yeah alliterations Um, but I'm really looking forward to it because one reason I'd say I'm looking forward to it is because if you were being uber critical about Huddersfield's great start to the season it would be that the teams that they've beat haven't necessarily been in great form so you're looking at the likes of Sheffield United, Reading and Preston, three teams who haven't necessarily started the season particularly well now they're coming up against a Stoke side who have started the season well and if Huddersfield were to get three points on the board here then you'd be looking at it thinking actually Huddersfield could be a team to be reckoned with this season They've got all the ingredients. Uh, they've got good young players. They've got a, a good style of play that, when it works, it works really well. Um, and they've got a good a good coaching. Conor's called Brand. It's just it's it's how they can cope 
um, when the backs were up against it, we saw against Fulham, who are obviously the best side that Huddersfield have faced this season, and they really struggled. That's probably a bit of a... I'm, I'm, I'm underselling it, I think, uh, to say that they really struggled. They were catastrophically bad, um, let's say. And um, and they're coming up against a Stoke side who are in good form, as you say. bit bruised after a pretty big defeat to Fulham, but they'll be wanting to go again. And this is a very good test for Huddersfield. Um, as to see where they're at because as you said they haven't really played at, um, other than Fulham they haven't really come up against the side um, in, in the same fo- uh, vein as uh, Stoke where they're, they're going to be up at the top of the table they've got good players they're in good form they're playing good football so yeah big big game for, for Huddersfield to see where they're at and Huddersfield we all know about their star man so far this season. It's someone you're a big fan of, Sorba Thomas, who's been playing either wing-back side, really, hasn't he, so far this season. Stoke would go a long way to silencing Huddersfield by keeping a, le- a leash on him, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you can keep Thomas quiet, you can keep uh, a lot of Huddersfield quiet. And that's not, that's not really being critical of, of the rest of the Huddersfield players. Um, it's just that, I mean, he's got the most key passes in the league. You've got to avoid giving set pieces away, needless set pieces away, because his delivery is just, I don't know, I'm trying to, it's so, so good and so, so consistent. Mm. Um, I've not seen anything like it really in the Championship, probably since Peter Whittingham. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's just in terms of set piece delivery. Um, okay, right. he, he, yeah, I'm not comparing them by any means. Um, but he's a, He's a very good player, but they've got the likes of Josh Caroma who can play on the shoulder quite nicely. Um, they've got Lewis O'Brien, who's a very good box-to-box player. So there are players that need to keep quiet, but Thomas is the is the main man for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Stoke, as we all know, their defensive ability is just up there at the top of the league, really, isn't it? We all talk about how nice their football is at the moment, but when you've got that back three of Suter, Ostergaard and Wilmot, then it's one hell of a back three at the same time who are all keep equally capable on the ball as well. So Stoke will be looking at this thinking this is a game that they should be getting three points on. I know the bookies have got them as odds-on favourites for this game, but Huddersfield, considering how well they've been going recently, will be fancying their chances here, I'm sure of that. Let's move on just into Sheffield United versus Peterborough. And the question is in this game, is this finally the match where Sheffield United's season finally gets going? <laughs> it's a great question. It's such a good question. Is I, I I don't know. I, I I think the Peterborough. I think people are going to offer Sheffield United something. I think they're going to make him uncomfortable. They're going to offer something that's um, yeah, that's not going to be too too uh, pleasant for their Sheffield United players. They want, they're going to want to get in their faces because confidence is going to be low. Um, so yeah, it's not going to be a, an easy game. You looked at it at the start of the season and gone. Easy three points, three or four nil, quite quite simple really. Um, but the way Sheffield United have started, it's not going to be plain sailing. And obviously Peterborough, they've got they've got a lot going for them. They haven't really got going yet themselves, but they've certainly got ability in the squad to, to punish Sheffield United. Well, let me ask you this question. Obviously, Sheffield United have been very busy in the final few days of the transfer window, bringing in the likes of Hoorahan, Gibbs-White, Olsen as well. Three big players who, as you'd expect, Sheffield United will be looking to them to try and turn their season around. So, are you, are you expecting all three of those to start against Peterborough at the weekend? Um, yes, I think I think I am. Uh, I think Hurahan offers uh, a lot of experience. I know they've got Fleck and Norwood anyway, who are very experienced at this level, especially. But 
there are he's a player who 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 just knows how to how to do well in games. He he's got the ability to uh, to put teams away, and he's he's a, he's a midfielder who gets forward um, as well in and around the box, which is surely going to help numbers um, in the eighteen yard area, uh, which is what Sheffield United have probably been lacking because one goal on scored yet so far is just not good enough Gibbs White creates a midfielder they don't have a player like Gibbs White in their side um, so yeah definitely expect him to be in around it it's just fitness with them too because obviously they haven't played much at all um, it's been a, been a fair well just over a month since pre-season ended uh, and league game started so it's going to be interesting to see what condition Gibbs White and, and Huron are going to be in Olsen keeper don't need fitness he'll be alright <laughs> fitness will be fine <laughs> stick him in straight away uh, yeah I, I think Sheffield United will definitely need to get three points on the board here not just to actually get their season mm. going but to try and ease the pressure on Slavisa Jukanovic because I, I imagine he probably is under a bit of pressure considering how they've started this season and many people are expecting them to be uh, aiming for automatic promotion this season so this is hopefully the, the time for him to actually get things underway and I agree with you I think I could see all three of these new players starting. Still give them something different. Gibbs White in particular is someone I'm really, really looking forward to seeing back in the championship after he had a short cameo at Swansea last season, which was yeah. cut short because of injury. You mentioned Peterborough there. Um, only four points so far this season, but to give them the benefit of the doubt, I think they've had quite a tough start. So I think four points, not a bad start really, is it? You're probably right. And they've got players who haven't, Started yet? Johnson Clark Harris didn't really have much of a pre-season. They they were they, the, the whole camp was affected by COVID at one point, so they didn't really get many pre-season games in. So naturally, I think they're going to start quite slow. Um, and I think they I think Peterborough are slow burners in, in league seasons anyway, um, especially coming up to the Championship from League One. So yeah, it is. It has been a tricky start for them, but they've managed fairly well. Um, you know, I think they I think they can do better in front of goal and defensively they certainly can improve as well. I know that's a, a key area where everyone's highlighted for, for Peterborough, but I don't think they're as bad as, as many many would make out, especially um, with the personnel that they have. And they've got a good goalkeeper, Christy Pym, as well. So I do expect them to cause Sheffield United problems, and I, I do quite fancy them to possibly upset Sheffield United this weekend. Well, Christy Pym has been fantastic for Peterborough this season. I'd, mm. I'd say in the first five games, he's probably been my goalkeeper of the season so far. Um, and considering Sheffield United's woes in front of goal, they definitely need to improve in that uh, in that department if they are going to get anything from this game. Uh, but Sheffield United will definitely be fancying themselves to get the three points right here. Another team will be fancying themselves to get three points will be Fulham. They're taking on Blackpool away this coming weekend. And... I've got to say, Justin, it looks a big, big ask for Blackpool to get anything from this game, doesn't it? On paper, absolutely. Looking at the league table, most definitely. But it's the championship. Things are never that simple. Um, and that's and I think at any game like this, I'm always I always approach with a little bit of caution, just because games like this, the underdog always tends to nick a one 0 win in the 80th minute. Or the 90th minute, they always tend to do it. But you're looking at this game, and, and Fulham should be going in. Well, I don't know if that would be complacent to think this, but they should be going in thinking that they're going to win. I'm sure every professional will say, "Yeah, we expect to pick up three points every game." But um, based on the sides, the quality in the sides, um, there is a massive gulf, certainly. But I just don't think you can rule out an upset again in this game. It, it's not 
really even a gulf is it it's they're like different worlds apart really in terms of the talent that's available to fulham compared to blackpool um i acknowledge what you're saying about uh, (laughs) how anything can happen in the championship but i really just can't see anything here because fulham have looked a different beast so far haven't they they've really looked like a side that should be back in the premier league already um the, the talent that they've got available to them, the likes of Carvalho, who we just can't stop going on about, can we? Um, and when you've got uh, Alexander Mitrovic, who has taken no time at all in finding his goal-scoring boots once again. It's frightening, really, mm. for um, for Blackpool. And the idea of them getting anything from this game looks, looks a long way off, really. So it, it, Blackpool will have to keep it solid at the back. They've done that on plenty of occasions so far this season, and they are looking more like a championship side. I just really struggled to see them getting <laughs> anything from this game, Justin. One one thing I will caveat is Blackpool. It's a smaller pitch than perhaps what Fulham might be used to playing playing at. Um, it won't be as as crisp as perhaps Craven Cottage will be either. So they've got to play on that. They've got to play on a smaller pitch. They've got to use that to their strengths. I don't think Fulham are going to find as many spaces um, as they have done so far in games. I think it could go similar to how the, the Borough game went where I think Fulham could be a little bit wasteful coming off the back of an international break and, and Blackpool will try and pounce on that. And as well, Blackpool coming up against Bournemouth a couple of weeks ago played incredibly well. Um, and I think I'll see. I think we'll see more of the same in that in, in, in terms of how they play without the ball. One thing you could say is Fulham have started games very early, haven't they? They've exactly. in every game pretty much so far this season. They've just gone two goals ahead, and then that's pretty much been it. Um, mm. So if that doesn't happen and it gets to half time and it's still all even, then Fulham might be getting a bit nervy, and Blackpool might be looking at it, thinking, "Okay, maybe we can get something from this game now." But it's all about keeping themselves solid in those first few minutes. Let's finish off with the final game that we'll look ahead to this weekend, Justin. That's West Brom v Millwall. West Brom, another side like Fulham, who are just looking like a different breed to a lot of championship sides so far this season. While Millwall managed to get things off, to, well, managed to get the first win on the board just before the international break, didn't they? But before that, Millwall were looking a bit a bit lacklustre weren't they compared to how I imagine many people were expecting them to do this season yeah it's like they were trying to pedal on a bike with the brakes still on um, they weren't really going anywhere it just went, wasn't quite happening for them at, at all um, and again they've, they've they had a tricky start with a few of the teams that they played but I think they started a lot slower than I than I anticipated um, so yeah I think West Brom will be looking at this uh, and thinking that there, there's a good chance of three points here especially when you consider set pieces Millwall have looked a little bit frail at times from set pieces West Brom are very good at set pieces so there's a lot of question marks around this and I don't again it, it won't be a straightforward win for, for West Brom but I think um, I think Millwall could be feeling quite nervous especially with the amount of assets West Brom have going forwards. I think West Brom will definitely be thinking that this should be a straightforward win for them, but you, we, we all know it's not that simple. Um, West Brom will have to keep a leash on that front three, which could potentially be starring in this game. Of course, they signed Jay Ojo right at the end of the transfer window, so it could potentially set up a very exciting front three of Afobi, Wallace and Ojo. Um, and with West Brom, we know how much their fullbacks like to get forwards. That could leave space in behind for those wingers to expose. But at the same time, West Brom, in a similar vein to Fulham, just look 
so so much better than the rest of the teams in the championship so far this season uh, they've also got Callum Robinson back and I'd say he's been one of the star players so far this season Justin so how important will it be for old Cal Robbo to be back in the side oh definitely he adds something different that that front three is so flexible when he's in it for example you know he's he's naturally a wide player but we're happily players in number nine same with Carlin Grant naturally a wide player happily players in number nine so very hard to keep a leash on that as a as an opposition defender, um, Callum Robinson also has a goal scoring edge to to to, to, to the West Brom side and uh, and their attack and he, and his poaching ability has been absolutely fantastic. He's been pop, popping up in the right places at the right time, hasn't he? Um, and that sort of overshadows his ability on the ball and his movement off the ball as well. So he offers a lot go, uh, for West Brom going forward, definitely. And um, I think him being in a side is a is a massive plus compared to him being out. I think it's just his flexibility, isn't it? He's mm. so good at leading the line and leading spearheading attacks because he, he's a fantastic dribbler of the ball. He's got so much pace and he's got so much intelligence as mm. well. He's probably one of the most intelligent strikers that we've got at championship level. Um, so him being back in the side. We saw that against Peterborough, didn't we? When um, West Brom managed to snatch a victory right at the death. Uh, West Brom probably in hindsight did deserve the three points but it just wasn't coming and it would have been mm. a lot more comfortable had they had the likes of Callum Robinson in the side yeah. who just looks he just gives West Brom so much more going forward so I think him coming back this weekend could be a massive massive plus for West Brom in a game that they should be looking to win considering Millwall haven't been too great so far this season Um and with Robbo back in the team, it will just give them that extra boost going forward. Justin, let's have a quick break. After that, we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days and then finish off with a good old Craig Bryson pub quiz. Hello and welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Justin, you were showing me absolutely no sympathy for my uh, cold during no. that break. Do you want to explain yourself? Well, I, I suffered with COVID quite bad, actually. Um, not not too bad, obviously. Um, Did you lose your sense of taste? Yeah, I still don't have it back. It's not a bad thing, actually, because obviously being at a festival, I can't smell anything either. Visiting the toilets at a festival, absolute dream. Because I can't smell any of the, <laughs> I can't smell any of the horrors that have uh, been left. Really, so that was great. But yeah, I, I had COVID. I recorded fine. Didn't didn't moan. And here's you with a cold, sniffling away. It, it, it's on. a good thing that we're not sticking this on YouTube because uh, it'd be uh, an interesting one to edit. The number of times I've had to blow my nose during this uh, during this recording. Uh, just quickly before we get onto news, and yes, I am stalling for time. Um, how? La- how much of a lack of taste have you got at the moment um so i couldn't taste anything i i played a game with my nieces they're 10 and 6 so they found this absolutely hilarious um where we were getting stuff off the spice rack and we were just loading it up on a spoon and i was taking a spoon of it couldn't taste any of it that Why was chilly haven't you said this we need to get this as content on social media because this is just fantastic news please <laughs> can we do something with this why not why not we'll uh, we'll try i mean it's coming back slowly so we've got to do it quick maybe maybe we can cr- we record slowly at, quickly after this at some yeah, point we'll, but, we'll um, get you chugging a bottle of vinegar after this recording. oh my god uh, right justin now it's time for this
Yes, it's time for the news. And it's a bit of a shame, really, that all the transfer news has kind of dried up now because uh, the news section is a bit dry itself now. <laughs> but we've still got a few bits here, Justin. There's a big blow for West Brom. They've lost defender Daro Shea to injury. He's going to miss up to six months with an ankle problem. And I'll tell you what, Justin, we were talking just a minute ago about how important Callum Robinson's been to the Albion so far this season. I think Daro Shea is right up there as well because he's probably been one of the best centre-halves in the division this season. Would you agree with that? He's been really good. Yeah, he fits so nicely into that back three, doesn't he? Um, so, yeah, it, it is going to be a massive blow, but I think the caveat to that is the strength in depth West Brom have got a centre-half is probably one of their, their better positions, really, in, in terms of um, the depth they've got, the likes of Kipre, for example. They've got players in their, their defensive uh, calibre, not calibre, in their defensive armoury that would quite easily fit into a lot of starting 11s in the Championship. Um, even the backup backups, Keane Bryan, uh, just been signed um, he's going to be a nice nice little backup for, for West Brom so yeah it's a big blow but it's going to be cushioned a little bit by the strength and depth that they've got well that, that's what separates them from the rest of the teams in the division isn't it apart from Fulham and Sheffield United they've got backups who would walk into pretty much every other team in the division but yeah. it, it is a blow for Dyer O'Shea to be missing potentially half the season with an injury because he has been so good but when you consider I know Clark's still got to come back into the team. Ajayi has only just come into the team. They've got, you know, talent coming out of their ears, haven't they? And the next bit of the news, which you've already jumped ahead on, the Albion have signed former Sheffield United defender Keane Bryan. Hasn't really played that much for Sheffield United, has he? But, uh, you know, adds a bit more depth into the uh, Albion squad. Huddersfield have mutually terminated the contract of winger Isaac Mbenza. They paid £11 million for him just two years ago when they were relegated to the Championship. And for me, Justin, I think this has got to go down as one of the worst moves in Championship history. What do you think? Right. Yeah, it was, it was a weird one, wasn't it? I mean, I think when um, I first started doing this podcast, obviously Huddersfield just came down and we were trying to work out if he was signed permanently on loan uh, or on loan. We just couldn't work it out and it turned out it was signed permanently um yeah it was, it was a it's just been a strange strange period for, for Huddersfield wasn't it um the signings that season don't think any of them are still there I think it was quite quite catastrophic and um there's absolutely no legacy from that Premier League stint uh, for Huddersfield now it's it's a massive massive shame um and, and a waste of money there was a time last season though when uh, Isaac and Benzer was playing quite well for a period of about six games and then he just disappeared again um, which is again is a shame he's clearly got talent it's just wrong club wrong time I just think 11 million he was never going to pay that back unless Huddersfield were to bounce straight back up to the Prem in fairness to Huddersfield I think it was a loan with an obligation to buy but why you'd put that in place when you're at risk of going down I have Weird. no idea it's just a balmy balmy decision and that's ultimately why Huddersfield are a team now who many people are tipping to be fighting to stay up this season because of mistakes that have been made in the past. And this has probably got to go down as one of the biggest mistakes because £11 million for a player who has never really looked that good in England is just, mm -hmm. you know, 
it just says a lot really uh, neil warnock has donated towards a defibrillator being installed at Tafswell fc in wales and then finally justin uh, we've been talking about listeners from abroad recently we've got some more we've got mark from norway jonas from denmark and miles from new zealand so hello to all our listeners in norway denmark and new zealand right justin now it's time for this it's the craig bryson pub quiz no i've still not made an intro for it yet i promise i'll have one next week um things have been a bit slow this week uh, but yes it's that part of the show where justin is going to give me six clues on a mystery championship legend who has made at least 200 championship appearances all i've got to do is guess who it is now justin before we start is this player more well known than martin craney Martin Craney is a legend. Um, don't disrespect him, please. That's I out of line. will not have a repeat of Martin Craneygate from three or two weeks ago, whenever it was, because that was a scandalous moment in Craig Bryson pub quiz history, and it needs to be rectified. At the moment, me and you, neither of us have got one right so far. So hopefully, today is the day when that all changes. Hit me with the first clue, please, Justin. Uh, sorry, I'm speechless. Um, <laughs> I made 258 appearances scoring 23 goals that sounds like a midfielder I'm going to go with Dean Whitehead no I came through the Ipswich Town Academy where I helped my youth team reach the FA Youth Cup final in 2005 is it Conor Huran? no did he come through Ipswich? I think he was at Ipswich the Ipswich have got a ridiculous amount of players who they had when they were young and then got rid of. I'm I'm talking like Jordan Rhodes, Jack, Jack Marriott. Marriott, and I think Conor Matt Huram Clark was there. Yeah, Matt Clark. Well, maybe I think maybe. Conor Huram was there. Well, it's not Conor Huram. Uh, I made my professional debut under Joe Royal in a one-nil win over Cardiff City before making 163 further appearances for the Suffolk side. Oh, for this Ipswich? Is, this is for Ipswich, yeah. Okay, I was going to say Cole Skuse, but he was at Bristol City once, yeah. so that's not right. But I'll say Cole Skuse anyway. No. Why well, he came through the Ipswich Town Academy, Ryan? Come on. That's a big clue, that is. That is a big clue. There's only a select few oh, yeah. players that came through in that era. Anyway, okay. I then moved on to Crystal Palace. I was dumped off by Roy Keane, essentially, where I played a pivotal part in their 2012-2013 promotion season. I also had loan spells at Millwall and Bolton, which are irrelevant no one remembers them <laughs> which are irrelevant so Crystal Palace mm-hmm. see there were quite a few people who got dumped off by Roy Keane during yeah. that time yeah. I think Jordan Rhodes was one of them actually mm. um, how many clues have I got left to you've got wait how many clues have I given you one two three four five oh crikey I've given you seven clues uh yeah, this is this has not been efficient from me. <laughs> Very unprofessional. This is proving to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, you won't get one of the clues if you are aware of family insurance businesses. You. Um, I'm not, so I'm willing to move on to the next clue. Have I got okay. two left? You've essentially got two left because that other one is okay. irrelevant. It's just a nice key fact about this player, actually. Um, if you've seen the uh, When Eagles Dare documentary on Amazon Prime, doubt you have because you just watch. Um, Desperate Housewives and stuff like that. Um, then That's you, then you'll definitely get it. Completely false. <laughs> that is a libelous claim at its highest. But carry on. 
I then moved to Colchester where I suddenly tore up a contract to move back to Ireland to play for St. Patrick's Athletic for one year. Is it Owen Garvan? Oh my God, it is. What a shout that is from me. I will say this. First of all, that is another scandalous pick by no, Justin Peach. Ma- no, it is Martin not. Craney and Owen Garvan compared to Britta Sombolonga and Jordan Hugill. Worlds apart, but because I am such a championship expert, here I am pulling Owen Garvan out my back pocket like an absolute G. I am very proud of that shout. And Justin, you must be pretty distraught that I've uh, managed to pull that out of the bag. I tried to make the clues as vague as possible, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe you got what it off you that. What you, don't know is, what you don't know is, I've got Owen Garvan pictures all over my wall. I'm not surprised. So you picked the bad one there, my son. Uh, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. That has been the Craig Bryson Pub Quiz. I'm 1-0 up so far this season. How about that? What a time to be alive. Um, we will be back again on sunday it's going to be a another episode where it's just me and justin because i'm also at a festival this week and me and you just can't get enough of that festival life can we um, but then we will be back again uh, the week after that because we've got midweek games next week justin so it, it's all go for us after this weekend so it's good to be back here on the second tier just before we go justin i wanted to ask you about football 365 which mm. is a new project that we've been working on along with the likes of YouTube celebrities like Benjamin Bloom and Ben HD. Mm-hmm. Justin, tell us a bit more about it, please. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if you got three championship content creators in one place? Always. Because always. Well, this is the perfect place. This is one community of those content creators. And it's the only place where you'll find, as you said, Benjamin Bloom, Ben HD and us too. All in one place. Perfect. What could? What more could you wish for? Uh, so we'll have exclusive shows. We'll have live chats and comments throughout the week. We'll do Q&As. We'll do member intros and much more as we continue to grow the community. The only place, as I say, it'll be the only place where you see Ben HD, Benjamin Bloom and us two in one community. And it's a paid content stream. So it's, I think, it's £6.31. Um, but we'll send a link out and uh, you can join fantastic stuff you get three massive championship minds all coming to together to talk about the best league in the world what more could you want from a your championship experience there we go ladies and gentlemen we'll be back again on sunday to talk through all the big games coming up in the championship this weekend and we look forward to seeing you then this has been the second tier podcast i've been ryan dilks i've been justin peach thank you for listening